Welcome to Story Comic Presents, where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. This is episode 183. I'm your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com, and we're excited to have with us the internationally acclaimed and wildly creative multimedia storyteller, Mel Cartagena. Mel. Good afternoon, everyone, or good evening, depending on where in the globe you are. It's always afternoon somewhere in the, in the globe. Thank That's you true. so much, Barney, for having me over. Yeah, it's it's great to see you. You're 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 an, you're an East Coaster as well, right? You're on the East Coast. I am in Massachusetts. Yeah, so I am on Easter Standard Time. Yes. Okay, good. And it's good. afternoon in here. <laughs> per perfect. I'm right north of you. I'm in Vermont, so this is great. So. All right. Yeah, we're yeah. fellow New Englanders just sitting down to have a chat about comics. That's right. <laughs> and storytelling in general, storytelling as a whole. And I know. And I said, what I I love, I I love the title that you give yourself. I think it's pretty cool. Multimedia storyteller. Uh, yes, um, I consider myself to be more a writer than a cartoonist. Like, I love comics, but I love um, audio drama. I love, like, an audio-driven narrative. And it's something that's come back now with the internet becoming what it is and the tech available now where you can actually create something with your phone or with a tablet. Uh, I want to get into that. I want to try that as well. I love movies as well. And, in fact, I started with movies. I made a bunch of short films, have wanted to make a feature for some time, but I haven't really connected with a group of people who are, let's do it, man. Let's just dive into it and do it just for the fun of it, just so we can do it. So I was, I shifted gears. I was like, well, what else can I do where I have to rely on as few people as possible? So I went into comics and I produced this comic that I'm sharing with people like you and other fellow creators. But uh, mm -hmm. I, I love storytelling in all forms. And we are in a time now where even though the storytelling itself is a little factored, it's a little different, you know, with like, um, I don't know if you ever watch YouTube um, web series. There is some really clever, fascinating stuff being done by YouTubers using their phones, using still photos, using audio. And I love that. I love that stuff. I love to see just how I would almost describe it as Burroughsian and that it's very um, um, fitting the, the idea of William S. Burroughs of the cut-ups. You know, when you take text, take that other text, cut it, recomb recombinate it into different forms of storytelling. I see people doing that in video and audio on YouTube, and it's mm. really fascinating. So it's something else I want to try as well. And and I want to talk to us about that. Uh, I read your your latest your latest book that you came out, The Plot, um, which was oh, ex hey. extremely engaging. It was really oh, fun. Awesome. I love the art so style and just the design you put into it. So... First of all, kind of uh, take our audience, those that might be listening to it uh, or, you know, in their cars or whatever, it, just to kind of give people a little bit of background on on the plot. The, the, that's the name of it for those wondering. The name of the graphic novel is called The Plot. It's 127 pages. It has a shadow conspiracy government kind of edge to it. Do you want to kind of give people a bit of a background on on the book? Okay, yeah, so as you said, the t it's called The Plot. Now, the basic premise that drives the plot is um, there's a character named Corman. He's involved in an incident, in a fatal incident in which somebody dies. And next thing he knows, he is in an interrogation room with these people who act like law, but don't look like law. They look more like uh, men in black, let's call them that for now. And gradually, through an intense interrogation, bits and pieces of something is revealed. 
And uh, it leads to a, a discovery where he really is a minor incidental part in something much greater, in a much greater uh, plot, let's say, in a much greater plot that I don't want to get too much into. But it, it lets, what that little premise does is it takes you through what I call psychocultural debris of, of America and that um, mm. it takes uh, conspiracy theories. It takes some uh, espionage lore and, uh, oh my God, what do they call that? The urban legend. It takes espionage urban legends. And I'm taking all this debris and I'm mashing it into this suspense story about, um, about how, how would I say, um, about how you go through your life and you find out that maybe there's all these things happening around you and you have no idea until something happens, something that feels very innocent and casual, but it just keeps building and building into this thing, which I'm not going to reveal, but it's there on the book and very plain. It's not a complicated thing at all. It's very straightforward. What was your inspiration behind the script of this? So it's a number of things. Like I said, I, I am a big fan. I'm not, I don't necessarily believe in conspiracy theories, but I find that stuff fascinating. I, I love, like, um, you know, the, the, the theories are, are on JFK, the theories around aliens, the theories around men in black. Like, I find this stuff fascinating because um, that's what I call psychocultural debris in that it's sort of, it's been circulating around around. Urban, it kind of commingles a little bit with the urban legends, but it never goes away. You know, when you think of trends, something that's around for a little while and it goes away, this stuff just never goes away. It's always kind of circling the fringes of pop culture. It's always just going in circles around. And then once in a while, it kind of introduces itself into the main, into the main influx of pop culture. And so I took that, I took these elements and I took the idea of like a Hitchcock's idea of the wrong man, someone who you know, seemingly innocent person, very average person, involved in something grand, but not knowing it. I just took those two things and I crafted this little book. Now, what's interesting about that for me creatively is that it was a bunch of artwork that had no dialogue. It, I made this artwork. I was just following an impulse. I wanted to, I think I had just read Peter Cooper's The System. I don't know if you ever had a chance to read that. It's a great little story of corruption and um, yeah, it's a story about corrupt systems, about how like law and um, crime commingle, and it's but it's wordless. It's a really cool thing that is completely wordless. You see everything how a number of transactions happen, which spawn all these incidents, and then it kind of starts over again. I had read that, and I was like, that is so cool. Like I like the idea of no words, you know. Like um, I think before that I had read someone. I don't know. I want to say Brian Michael Bendis, but I could be wrong. But it was just Bendis is the opposite. Bendis is too much dialogue. Like I find them funny and quirky, but sometimes it's too much. So the system was a great antidote to um, Brian Michael Bendis. <laughs> and uh, I guess somewhere in between those two influences, they were very fresh in my head. They were still going around. So I started making all these drawings that have no dialogue. It's just action. I'm doing this thing. I finish it. I'm a little disappointed because I don't, I don't feel like I have enough for a story there. I kind of put it aside. Um, this is towards uh, 2019. 2020 starts and then the whole bunch of things that happens happens. We go into lockdown and um, I start looking at the artwork again and I start seeing something that I hadn't seen before. Maybe, I don't know, like the things that happened since influenced what I was looking at. Like I, I had a perspective and I looked at it again anew and I start kind of experimenting with it. I photocopy some pages. I take little post-its and I start putting di dialogue to it. Like I post them over a particular art and write the dialogue. And that kind of spawned the next bit of dialogue. 
and I'm getting excited now because it's like, okay, I thought I didn't have anything, but I, I think I have something here. And I kept doing that for a number of weeks until eventually I realized like, yeah, if I just reuse certain panels, but use dialogue differently, I have sort of dramatic tension. I have a narrative that continues and keeps building on itself and sort of drops information and nuggets and pieces, which is sort of to me how, how the mind works, you know, like you take information so yeah, I wanted to explore how information, your perception of something can change with time because I had all these pages, but I, I didn't feel I had anything. I didn't feel I had an entire narrative. And I was a little kind of disappointed by that because I made short pieces in comics, you know, like little little four or five page stories, 10, 12 page stories and, and little comic book essays type things. But I hadn't yet made the book. And I feel like that's kind of the rite of passage of uh, any creator, like, you have to make the book, you know, like the thing, you know, like the, the novel, the, 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 the whole link narrative. So I was a little disappointed by that, but um, I was kind of both excited and surprised to find out that even though I, I felt I didn't have a book, I actually did have one. I just simply sometime had to happen. And I guess I had to live a little more and sort of change my perception about that and get a little more experimental to do almost like a, like the cutoffs, like the thing that William S. Burroughs used to do for whenever he was stuck with his own writing, he would take text rip it apart, reassemble it in different ways. And he found that that gave him ideas for his writing. So I kind of did the same thing. I took the artwork, I put little posters, would write dialogue. I was like, no, rip that out, put another post-it on it, write that dialogue and keep going from that. I'm finding that I actually did have an entire book. So that was a bit of a really pleasant reveal for myself to realize, no, I had a book. It's just, I, I don't know, my thinking was broken. It wasn't all the way over to that end. It had to change. And then, oh, okay, there it is. Yeah, I do have something. I want I want to talk about the style of the book. I love you, you the, the, there seems to be a a very specific choice in how you make the word bubbles, the thickness of the line on some of these um using the font. Talk to us a bit about that from the design perspective on your your choice of font and 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 in the word bubbles. Okay, the style comes from, I try to do very formal comics, you know, like Marvel, Don, I'm not a superhero guy, but right. you sort of, I don't know, maybe this happened to you as well. The, the influence of Marvel, or rather the greats, the people who make Marvel what it is, Jack Kirby, um, John Buscema, um, Jim Lee, like that influence is something that you cannot escape it. it uh, as a cartoonist, you sort of can't get away from that, even if you're not into superheroes. And I'm very much in that place. I don't particularly care for superheroes, but when you look at a layout from Jack Kirby, like boom, like it knocks you back. Like you feel the force of that. So I, I try imitating that, but gradually I'm finding that I'm not really into drawing. So it's like, well, what am I going to do? Like, I, I don't want to have to look for an artist because the main problem that I feel is that I cannot find reliable people to work with. I tried doing that. I tried finding, finding a few artists very early on, but it was always, it never quite worked out. Like, they would communication would stop after a little while or they just simply never got back to you after a couple of messages traded so i was like well i'm gonna have to learn how to draw i start doing that i take basic lessons at the local art community place and i'm good enough but i realized like i don't have the motivation to be you know as good as like um jack kirby or john buscema who draw beautifully who drew like classical you know proportions and such but what along the way, I just keep reading comics. I discover people like um, Jim Mafood or Food One. He goes by Food One. And he has a very squiggly, like a um, messy style. But uh, like that spoke to me immediately, like on a, on, a, on a 
gut level, I reacted to that. I'm like, that is so cool. Like, he doesn't worry so much about making it perfect. He worries more about energy, you know, the, the truth of the line. Let's call it that. A line that is truthfully done without any intention to be pretty, other than just to be pretty. And some really quirky, inventive storytelling. And one that kind of unlocked the case for me, made me realize, oh, it's okay. You can totally do a comic without being a great artist, was uh, Matt Kind. I started reading Pistol Whip a few years ago. And it, it's almost like stick figures. It's a little more than stick figures. But he did something so clever with time and layouts on the page that I was like, that is so cool. Like, I want to do something like that. And I started reading more of his work. I started reading um, Revolver, which is one involving alter alternate timelines. And, and I don't mean that as, this as an, as an insult. His artwork is not exactly great, but his storytelling is right up my alley. Like the stuff involving alternate reality, secret agents, science fiction, like that's kind of my thing. I live in that space. And it was very encouraging to read his books. It was like a, a thrill to read that. And it's like, oh, I could do this. You know, I can lean more into what I'm good at or rather what I feel more passionate about, which is writing. That's really where I'm coming from, from the writing. So it's like, I'm going to start doing that. I'm not really good at color. I don't really know how to work with color. You still don't, really. So I'm going to stay in black and white. Or rather, I start black and white. But I'm realizing I'm not very good at that. I'm, I'm very influenced by Frank Miller at this point, by that black and white that he does. But I can do very simple ink washes. And I happen to have these pencils called sketch and wash pencils. I don't know if you ever heard of those. Uh, it's like a pencil. It's like a fat lit pencil. But you can okay. use a dry and you can do something like shading. But if you wet it, you start getting gray shading. That's like, okay, I, I can do that. I can manage that. You know, like I'll work with that rather than like wait till I get good at something. I just don't have that discipline. I know that I'm not going to spend months trying to be really good to get shade on subtle gradations and all that. Like I want to tell a story now. Like there's a need to say it now. This urgency, this kind of internal pressure. I don't know if that happens to you when you do your own stuff. There's that need, that, that inner pressure to tell a story. So I start doing it following you know like the the ideas from jim mack which is a very messy thing it's multimedia so i started first i have like cheap uh, mixed media paper like handsome mixed media paper i started doing pencils and out of an impulse i don't even know why i did it i had this a really opaque gesso and i start coating the page after i do the pencil and what that did is enable it enabled me to not have to erase pencils like the pencils are there but they're buried in this very opaque white uh, coating and what I noticed by surprise that what that did is it made the page thicker. It gave it a texture of roughness that's almost like canvas, like a little bit like canvas. And I was really excited by that. I was like, oh, awesome. So I take this sketch and wash pencil and I run a wet brush over it. I can get these gray shadings and it doesn't destroy the paper, which is something that I tried doing earlier with like just um, mixed media paper. And it just eventually would rip, rip through the paper. So I'm now really excited, like, okay, I got something going on here. I don't really know what it is, but I'm not going to question it. I'm going to keep going. And I, so I, that's essentially, that's it. it. It picked up speed after the first few pages. I'm getting excited about it. And I'm thinking more of the narrative side. And I'm like, okay, I, I want to explore outdated technologies. You know, like I, I love the idea of like um, analog tech, you know, like I'm a big fan of analog. I like to shoot film, even though I use digital predominantly. I like shooting with film, so I want to incorporate that. I like um, shifting viewpoints in novels and in other things, so I want to do a little bit of that. I want to shift a viewpoint suddenly with no warning. I'm going to put you in the, in the protagonist's perspective, which is a little surreal and a little scary. Mm. And then I want to do something that feels like a big buildup. You know, like I love um, 
what uh, people do with action movies, like say James Cameron with Terminator 2, how he keeps building. Each confrontation builds until you get this epic, amazing thing at the end of the movie. So I'm a fan of that, and I try to do that within the scale of this. Right. And then after that, after that's after I just did the artwork, and the artwork is nine by you know twelve by eighteen pages. Twelve by eighteen pages done sideways instead of the you know the land the the portrait. Right. I did it landscape. So that was that. That was just the basic artwork. Um, the digital part was discovering the platform Canva and finding that they actually have a um, a template called Comic Strip. I'm like, you know, I like this. Like, if I take this. And I just sort of explore, I can have, I can have like a, how would I say, almost like a boxing match, like a back and forth, like one right. person says something, then this person says something else, and then I set a new page, and that new page sort of picks up. No, but I, I love what you said about the boxing match piece. That's pretty cool. I look at the, and that's what's going to be my next question is about how you separate it out, and it almost gives it a cinematic feel you're having the your pages horizontal instead of instead of vertical like a standard comic this gives it more of a cinematic piece but also as you say it's two frames it's two panels on each page and it is it gives it that back and forth feel and it does kind of give it that sense of tension as well based off of the fact that it's heavy black borders with the left and right, almost like that boxing match piece. And, and so what was that inspiration for? That came about, part of it came from Junji Ito because um, not just Junji Ito, a lot of people, but he's the name that I can think of at the moment who does that best, who takes advantage of the, the format of comics. You know how, like, let's say um, he will set up a situation, but you don't get the full payoff until you flip the page. You flip to the final page. And you have something amazing, like just a terrifying thing or some line or some action, something. So he understands right. the, 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 the medium well of taking, using that to create suspense. So I kind of borrowed that. The, the cinematic side comes because I'm very influenced by cinema. You know, cinema is, you know, the, the, the landscape. You have a landscape framing. Hmm. And it, that, the dynamic that you talk about comes from that, from sort of, trying to coexist in those two spaces at once. You know, on, on the one hand, I have wide angle pages, but on the other one, I, I want to try to create that, the back and forth, the boxing match feeling of, you know, two characters sort of conflicting each other. Then I pick it up on the next one. And maybe the illusion is that one character is winning on one page, but then the match goes in the other direction on the next page. So hopefully, I'm, I think I should pull that off that'll create a sense of tension. Like you as a reader, you'll start feeling like an, a, a sense of anxiety, like a build, building anxiety as this thing continues. And then the men in black start over again from another angle, the interrogation. And it feels like maybe it's coming to an end, but then they start over again from another angle. And hopefully, you know, like if that, that imaging and that cropping and that framing comes together in your mind as a reader, that'll give you like a sense of anxiety, like a sense of like exhaustion, like, oh my God, is this going to end? Like uh, how, how long is this going to go on for? Hopefully that will be the idea. And I tried little things, like you mentioned, like for example, the page you're holding now, I see that there's a lot of space between them. One thing that I tried, probably people don't notice, but I, I kind of wanted to explore that is sometimes I would actually have them come close together. Or let's say if I have more multiple characters, mm -hmm. then I would have the pages sort of pushing on each other more. So it was just like little things like that, that hopefully you don't notice unconsciously, but your brain, you know, the, the, the part of your brain that's picking up all this hidden detail 
will pick it up and that'll interpret itself as anxiety, as, as suspense, you know, as a suspense buildup. Right. And sometimes stuff like that, where I would just take one entire panel, just one page. Right. Yeah, it's there is. Yeah, it's really interesting. And I love how you set that up. Uh, so what were some of the. The plot line of it is split up into three parts. What was the reasoning that you had? It split up into a part one, two, three. What was the intention to have three parts? Initially, it was like you said, initially it was like a, a continuous thing. But like when, when the whole thing was done and I would, you know, look back over it, look back over it, it felt like one straight line. Like the entire book felt like one flat line. And I felt that in some ways that undercut the power of, let's say, when the interrogation reaches a certain point in the narrative. Like I feel like that first part is very intense and suspenseful. But if, um, if I just simply jump into something else, it causes a bit of a, a jolt to the reader because the tone changes. And I felt that in, you know, like uh, on a, ma on a micro look at, you know, on an individual part, it, it's good, but on a macro, it hurts the book as a whole. So I was like, okay, why don't I break this into art? Let, let me actually literally put like a black page, put a part one. And then when that part is over, I will put a black, another page with nothing in between. And Going back to cinema as an analogy, what that does is you as the reader, it gives you like a little breather, like the interrogation is very intense. It's relentless. It keeps coming. They keep coming back at him from different angles. Like if you ever had the mad fortune to be uh, interrogated by police, it's, that's kind of what it feels like if you have been in a situation like that. Right. So that page and that little part too, what it does, it gives you like a little, it's almost like a fake to black and, and you were watching something in streaming or movies or TV. It's like a little moment where you just sort of catch your breath. And we start over and the tone changes. So I felt that adding a part, adding, you know, part one, part two, gave it a little breather to the reader, reader and it prepared you for the next part, which was going to be a little slow. I shouldn't say slow, but it was going to be a different tone. It was a little slower pace and tone and gradually would build in a different direction. The suspense would be coming from a different direction, I guess, like I would say. The first part, the suspense comes from the relentlessness and from the, from the pacing. And from that cropping where the protagonist sometimes is kind of trapped in between the other characters asking him questions. The second part is also, um, how would I say this? Well, it's an info dump. I was trying to think of a nice way to say info dump, but that's what it is. It's just sort of, there's a lot that you don't know yet, but you need for the final part. So, okay, let's just slow things down and start doing info dump. And hopefully in a way that doesn't feel like an info dump. It's, it's a way where you're still uh, you're a participant, let's say. You're as a reader, you're, the, you're participating. You're learning things right along with the protagonist. And that also took us to part three, where part two ends in such a shocking uh, confrontational situation that I felt, well, I think I need another break here because, uh, again, part three begins with uh, another, yet another tone shift, a tone shift. So, again, another breather, another little fake to black that gives people a chance to catch up. So that when we start over again, it's, it, I actually, part three starts even slower. Like, I feel like I actually deliberately went even slower because by then, maybe, hopefully you're still reading by then <laughs> as a reader. And you, I'm easing you further and further into that. I guess each part 
starts a little slower. Each part begins a little bit slower to sort of not jolt you so much into it. Because I feel the first part is like a jolt. It's a very intense jolt thing. And I'm a fan of that. I'm a fan of books, narratives that throw you into the middle of things. Because you kind of, if you, if I find in my experience, some like uh, when I see online, people complain about that, about things have been too fast paced. But I find that if you just simply relax and read and keep reading, eventually you catch up to everything. And I prefer that. I like the idea of being a participant of reading and just gradually learning because you're not just simply being told things. You're gradually, you're learning. You're, you're a participant. You're almost like alongside the protagonist. So I kind of tried to go for that. I was doing this. I was trying to keep you in, um, involved, keeping you interested in the process, hopefully interested and curious about what's going on. Okay. So that was the reason for that, to give a little breather and to sort of ease you into the next part. And that way, the overall tone of the book, if I were to draw it like on a chart, it would probably something like this. Okay. And then, boom, on the right. third part. You wrote and made some of these drawings back in 2018, correct? Yes, 2018 through maybe the early part of 2019, or maybe I'm only 2018. I cannot remember. It was, I think it was looking at the, doing the research. It looked like a lot of this was in 2018. So what was the pause between 2018 and say 2020, 2021, when you were actually putting the book together? Okay. Well, so um, very likely, I cannot remember exactly, but very likely what happened was the, um, I had opportunity to make short films again. Like I had an opportunity to work with some people make some short films. And I kind of go along with it, hoping that, well, maybe this time we'll finally put enough people together to make a feature because it's the thing that I want to do the most. You know, like, a, you know, in the same way that I made the book, I want to make the movie, you know, the, the right. feature thing, not the shorts. I was kind of fed up with shorts, but I kind of go along with it because at least, well, I'm, I'm shooting video, I'm editing and all that. So most of 2018 goes by. And while I did do one or two little short pieces in comic book, I made a few shorts. And then 2020 starts and, you know, then eventually like uh, COVID starts sweeping everything. And for a while, nothing is possible. And in the early part of lockdown, after the initial part where, you know, people started getting together again, I go out with some of the same people again to make another short film. But again, nothing happens. We go out and shoot video and nothing comes of that. It's actually, it never got finished. As far as I know, the thing never got finished or anything. So I kind of fall back again into this and... I just say, okay, I'm turn if they approach me again, I'm turning them down. I'm just going to say no because they're just not going to the next step. I want to go to the next step. So I'm going to take that energy, that sort of restless energy, and drop, put it into this. And the result is this. You know, like all these ideas that I had about movies, about um, pacing, I just threw them into this because I couldn't put them into a movie. I couldn't test them out on, on filmmaking, on live action. So I just kind of threw them into this. Right. Yeah, this was this was such a fun thing. This was such a fun read. It was, as you say, it was. There is definitely some, you know, the you know, reminiscent of this, you know, the govern, government conspiracy, the Men in Black, all of these really fun, you know, cover up, you know, <laughs> shadow government things that were so fun to read, and uh, and I love the tension of it. I love the stylized artwork and how you had everything set up. Definitely, I would say for any of our listeners and, and viewers out there who are who like this stuff, where can they where can they get a copy of the plot? So I created a Gumroad, and on that Gumroad, there's a download link. I don't, 
I am working on putting together a website. It's well, actually, it's ready, but um, we're having a hard time figuring out how to put the Gumroad link onto the website. So your best bet right now is if you have a Twitter, look me up on Twitter. My uh, handle on Twitter is called Robopulp. Mm -hmm. uh, the first part is robo as in robot. The second part pulp as in pulp. So robo pulp. And um, my profile at the bottom of the profile, there's a link there. If you have an Instagram, I am there as robo.pulp. And I also put a link there as well. So those are the two best places right now to find it. Because um, those are the platforms that I'm most active on, particularly Twitter. I'm, I'm quite a bit on Twitter. I really don't do much on Insta, but I'm on Twitter quite a bit. So that will be the best place. And hopefully once I have a website, I'll start exploring other forms of storytelling. I'll explore audio drama as well. I'll probably come back around to comics. I'm trying uh, prose and film. You know, film is still uh, the first passion. It's something so exciting when film is done well. It's such a fantastic medium to work with. And the same way with comics. Comics, when it's done well, it just takes you places where very few things can. Comics is just such a fantastic thing. You can this. Just permutations are endless. What you can do with combining images and text, there's really no limit to what you can do in comics. Right. No, this has been great. So, so definitely, so check it out, and we'll have the link in the show notes. Um, you can go to robopulp.gumroad.com for to get uh, a copy of uh, "Pay as You Want" that the plot, uh, which I say is a, a really, it's a really fun read. Really fun read. Very stylized. Uh, I love from a graphic design perspective. It was, um, it was, it was really fun. And yeah, also check out yeah check out uh, Melvin at uh, on Twitter at Robopulp R O B O P U L P. Come back on when you uh, when you for when you want to chat about your next project. Thank you so much for the feedback and thank you so much for inviting me. I would love to come back. I would love to just chat about you know creating in general. Creating you know let's. Uh, yeah. Our comics are great, but um, other mediums require different creative muscles. So, you know, right. do all of them. Do all, whatever you can. You know, any of those of you out there who are cartoonists themselves, you know, if making a comic book is difficult, switch to audio dramas. If, if that is difficult, switch to doing something else. If you have an iPhone, you essentially have a multimedia studio right there. Right. Perfect. Well, all right. Well, thanks a lot, Melvin. Appreciate it. Not at all. Thank you so much for having me over. I would love to come back. Yeah, it's been such a blast. Uh, I appreciate that you made the time to talk to me today. You're welcome. get the all right mel cartagena yes mel cartagena good right, afternoon cartagena. everyone or good evening depending on where you are or how broad how far and wide this podcast goes oh yeah it's always I, afternoon I, I, or evening I, I, somewhere in the world oh yeah i let me do my intro I, that wasn't the intro yet don't worry oh okay okay <laughs> <laughs> i see the clock so i'm assuming that we're already going so okay yeah all right let me do the intro this is just the banter <laughs> <laughs> All right, good vibes, good vibes so far. It'll be a funny thing. <laughs>